Welcome to Catholic Economics. I'm your host, Levi Russell, and today is September 30th, 2020. So today's going to be a fairly brief episode, and what I'm going to do is just cover uh, some issues related to the child and dependent care tax credit. So this is not the child care tax, or excuse me, the child tax credit. Uh, That's a separate issue that, uh, it's not separate in the sense that it is related and does interplay with the dependent care tax credit, but Uh, I want to do a different episode on the child tax credit and get into some of the history of it, I think. Whereas for here, I'm just going to be talking about the child and dependent care tax credit. And and what this is, is uh, just to give you a a brief overview, is it's a tax credit for uh, families to uh, basically write off a portion of the money that they spend on child care. And that's a key part of it, the fact that they're spending money. So they have to, they have to spend money. They have to have expenses um, that are uh, essentially the, that are the result of some kind of market transaction. And that's going to be important here. Um, but essentially, uh, another thing to, to point out is this is, a tra- uh, this is a tax credit. So what that means is you, if you have a tax liability, so let's say you owe $5,000 in taxes to the government, Okay, well, this credit just reduces the amount you owe. Okay, so that's different from uh, some kind of a tax, uh, uh, like an expense, where um, it reduces your, your taxable income. So it's not, it's not a deduction that reduces your taxable income, and then your taxable income uh, gets put through a chart with percentages to determine what your tax liability is. This is a credit. So if you have whatever your liability is, it just reduces the dollar amount of that liability. So it's, I guess in in a sense, it's better for probably the average family than a deduction because it doesn't just reduce your taxable income, it actually reduces the amount of tax you have to pay. and this is uh, one of the things I point out is this is not a refundable credit. So let's say you have a tax liability of $500 and then you have a child independent care tax credit of $800. Okay, well, in theory, right, $500 is your tax liability minus $800 for this uh, tax credit. Well, then in theory, that would be, that's negative $300, right? So you would get a refund of $300. But because this is not a refundable credit, you don't actually get a check for that $300. It just would wipe out all of the money you would owe, and you would just owe nothing. Okay, So there are refundable tax credits. In fact, the child, the child tax credit is refundable. But the child independent care, care tax credit, that's the important part. Child care, dependent care. Uh, is not refundable. Uh, so some more details on this. So it, it is a credit for a percentage of the expenses that you incur. Okay. And so let's say uh, you, you incur a certain amount of uh, expenses for childcare for your kids while you and your spouse are at work. 
So if you if you have an adjusted gross in income of fifteen thousand dollars or below, which is pretty low for an adjusted gross income, I mean you would have to have, um, you would have a pretty, I mean I don't know what you could make like forty five thousand dollars, probably forty thousand um, dollars, and take if you were married filing jointly, you'd be taking the standard deduction. And so that would get your AGI into this range. So this is not for like super rich people. Um, this is for people with relatively low uh, adjusted gross incomes. So if your AGI is $15,000 um, or below, you can, uh, this credit will get, will, will you, you can credit back 35% of the expenses you spend. So they're not going to credit, they're not going to give you a credit for everything you spend on childcare or dependent care. They're going to give you a credit for 35% of it. Okay. Then that percentage declines as your adjusted gross income goes up, right? So as your income increases, um, and your income specifically net of your deductions, as that increases, your, uh, the, the percentage that you get in the credit declines. And then once you are above $43,000 of AGI, you are only going to get 20% of your expenses credited back to you. So that's a little confusing. That was probably too much to say, just saying it. So I'm going to provide two articles, one just kind of explaining the dependent care tax credit and one from the tax foundation that uh, goes through uh, th all of the child tax credits in general. Okay. And it's updated uh, and it will, it will go through even just the straight up child tax credit, which is a totally different deal. It's refundable or partially refundable. Um, and it goes through some of that stuff. So what I want to talk about is kind of the economics of this thing. So what, what are the implications of this thing? What does it actually do to normal people with incomes? Right. Um, and what, what the thing, the first thing to say, I think, is that this kind of plays into the notion of the two income trap. Uh, so there's a book by uh, Elizabeth Warren back in like 2004, I think is when it was published. Uh, and her, her book is called The Two Income Trap. And her book was more of an academic kind of thing. It was about, uh, it was about uh, uh, avoiding bankruptcy and how uh, if, if you have a family that's built around two incomes and one person loses their income, that's a whole lot more disastrous for the family than if you only have one income and uh, sort right. So your consumption patterns are adjusted to a one income household. And then if that person loses their income, okay, yeah, that, that sounds really bad. But the thing is, then you have that other parent who can go and find something to do. Right. Uh, so it's kind of built around that idea. Tucker Carlson mentions that this in his book, ship of fools. Um, and, and it's been kind of a, a theme that he talks a lot about, you know, that we should be building our policy around families, not around, uh, you know, my GDP. Right. Um, so to continue about this, uh, this whole dependent care tax credit deal. So we have this two income trap idea, right? And so how does the, the child independent care tax credit fit into this? Well, what it does is incentivizes more people to work. And so I, I started digging through kind of like the economics literature, right? Like the journal articles on this thing. And it's really interesting. I found that, um, the this not only is it true that uh, sort of the the economic models that looked at this showed that when you credit childcare uh, expenses, you increase labor force participation among 
you know, families that are eligible for this credit. So what the point is that is it's actually effective as a mechanism for incentivizing people to um, uh, uh, to work more. So I, I think this is just incredible. This is showing up in the data, right? Because you know social science data is very messy. It's it's noisy. It's got a lot of problems, but. The fact that this is showing up and has a measurable effect on labor force participation is just incredible. Um, so there's not a lot of recent studies, and not all the studies I found were from the U.S. Some of them are from the U.K., but, I mean, come on. You know, it's, it's going to be similar, right? So that's one thing. And I'll, I'll probably just link to all these, but they're going to be paywalled. I mean, they're, they're journal articles, so they're going to be, if you have a JSTOR, if you have access through JSTOR, you can find a few of them. But um, you can at least read the abstracts if you want. Uh, if, if you want access to these, uh, you know, if you, if you know somebody who has a, a university uh, a library access or something like that, you can grab a hold of them that way. Uh, so let's see. The, um, it, so even though, so, so one of the issues that some people have had with the child dependent care tax credit is that it's not refundable. Okay. And, and so what happens here is that if, if the tax is not refundable, then um, what we say is that 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 decreases the the degree to which this is a progressive tax. Okay, so let me give you a little background on progressive versus regressive taxes. So progressive taxes means that you you pay a higher percentage of your income the more income you have. Okay, so in other words, the tax code progresses; it gets the the the, the percentages get larger as your adjusted gross income increases. Okay, and we generally speaking, income taxes in the US are progressive taxes. They they follow this this type of um, this type of scheme where the, the larger your income goes to a certain extent, um, the higher the the tax rate will be. Um, and so it's not just that if you have a higher income, you pay more in taxes overall. It's that if you have a higher income, you pay more as a percentage of that income. Okay. So a regressive tax would be the opposite of that. It would be, uh, it would be the case that it, the, the lower your income, the higher percentage of your income is paid in that tax. And so a lot of people will talk about sales taxes, for instance, being regressive because let's say uh, you know, there's a sales tax on food or something, right? Well, food is a higher percentage of the budget of someone who is relatively poor versus someone who's relatively wealthy. Um, at least in the sense of like basic necessities, right? So because that lower income person has to pay a higher percentage of their total income uh, uh, in sales taxes, then that sales tax would be regressive, right? And we have all kinds of ways of trying to mitigate that, but that's just uh, an example of what could be the case, right? So there's a question in addition to the labor force participation uh, impacts of this, which I think are important. I mean, we're talking about like the, the stated intention of this thing is to create a two income trap. Okay. And I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to impugn people's motives necessarily, but I mean, come on, how do you not see that coming? Uh, how do you not see this idea of, like, Oh, we're going to increase labor force participation. Hooray. And it's like, yeah, but is that what you want? Really? Like, that's what you actually want. You want uh, a bunch of kids that, don't have their parents around from, you know, 7 a.m. to 6 p.m. every day. I mean, wh why is that good? Uh, so obviously just seems uh, like uh, clearly a moral gap between me, uh, you know, us probably, and, uh, you know, these people that, that want this policy put in place. So let's see. Uh, so back on this refundability thing. So 
I found a study that said that even though this is not a, a, a refundable credit, um, it still is progressive in the sense that um, it, it, it's a higher, uh, uh, it, it, it relieves people of their taxes more on the lower end of the income distribution than it does for people with middle and higher incomes. And uh, so I, I, what I think is interesting about that is, number one, it's not refundable. So if it was refundable, it would, it would vastly increase the progressivity of this thing, right? Because if you have lower income, you're more likely to have a smaller tax liability in the first place. And so then the, this tax credit isn't really advantaging. It doesn't give, it doesn't give you as much of an advantage if it's not refundable, right? So you're more likely to be in that situation where your tax liability is like a couple hundred bucks and this credit, even it may be big, it may be 500 bucks, but you can't take advantage of the full thing because it's not refundable. They won't refund you that, that $300 difference. So I, I, I think that's an interesting case here where even, even though it's not refundable, it's still a progressive tax by, by sort of conventional measures of progressivity. And, and what I think is actually almost nefarious about this is that uh, sort of in addition to the fact that maybe you want it to be, maybe we would want it to be, uh, given on our goals in terms of policy built, being built around families and communities, maybe we want it uh, refundable just for that reason. But on top of that, what I think what you see here is that since this is a progressive, this is this is even showing up as a progressive tax. Then this whole incentive to have two income families is even harsher, or is even more incentivizing for people at the lower income end of the spectrum. And so, if you think about that, it's what 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 that's saying is that people who have low incomes this incentive to have a two-income household is even stronger. And so we get even less over time, right? We get even less of um, uh, 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 an incentive to build multi-generational housing. We get more and more social stigmas around, uh, you know, dependence on your elders, uh, you know, when you're early on in life and, and building your family. You get even more stigma around uh, this idea of caring for your elders in their very old age. Um, you know, maybe you're in your 50s and, um, you know, it, because you, you have built your whole life, you and your spouse have built your whole life around this two-income family, it's, it's very difficult for you to uh, uh, quit your job so that you can care for your elders. And so those elders end up more likely to be in these horrific places where they put, where we put our elders. Right. And so I, I think there's just, there's something nefarious. And of course, this is, maybe it's not the strongest incentive in the whole wide world for this kind of thing, but it does seem nefarious to me. It does seem, uh, it does seem to at least have a, a, a pernicious effect on, um, on our, uh, on the way uh, policy affects our families. And so uh, what's my solution, right? So it's easy to critique, right? Well, my solution would be, I mean, heck, just get rid of this thing and just roll all of those credits, right? So figure out what the revenue, uh, I mean, if, if you, if you're really concerned about revenue stuff, right? So let's say you want to make it revenue neutral, which means that even if I change this policy, the amount of money the government's going to get isn't going to change, right? So even if you wanted to make it revenue neutral, I still think we'd be better off if you just rolled this all into the child tax credit, which is mostly refundable and 
Um, it just, just gives you a tax break for having children instead of giving you a tax break for paying someone else outside your home to take care of your children, right? Why not just roll it on into one thing called the child tax credit? To me, that makes total sense. Anyway, thanks for joining me uh, today, and I appreciate all of your support. I appreciate you sharing the show. I appreciate just the fact that you're interested in economics from a Catholic perspective. And if you'd like to support the show directly, I have Patreon and Subscribestar links in the show notes. I also have uh, you can you can support directly through uh, Anchor, and there's a there's a link in your podcast app uh, show notes down there at the bottom. You can also uh, hit me up on social media. You can send me an email. My email address is at the bottom. Uh, My DMs are open on Twitter, and you can send me a message on Facebook if you like. Thanks for listening.